Hey friends, I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour. are going to discuss Non-Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee, Ghostbusters, the 1984 version, and Young Avengers Presents. But first, we're going to talk about what we've been reading and the recent adventures we've been getting up to in our personal projects. been putting into your eyeballs do you know that mega bestseller that everybody has been talking about and there's gonna be a movie this summer i think and it's with emily blunt it's called girl on the train by paula hawkins i finally read this thriller and everybody compared it to gone girl which i hated so much this book had been my face like for over a year now because it was everywhere, everything. It was a book of the year or book of the month or book of the whatever at Waterstones. So it was in every single bookstore, like prominently displayed my face. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to read this. And I read it and it didn't go well. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get my thoughts about it organized for a review. But this is what I finished reading. I'm reading right now The Sunlight Pilgrims by Jenny Fagan, and it's set in Scotland in 2020. The apocalypse is about to start. So it's really good so far. This is a young author from Scotland, I think. She wrote another book called The Panopticum a couple of years ago, and it was really good. This one is really good so far. And then I'm going to read next... I'm not so sure, but probably the Star Touched Queen by Roshan Shotsky. How about you? Uh, I finished Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, which was a pretty good collection of essays about culture and how she moves through the world. Then I read Miss Marvel Volume 5. This is the relaunch after Secret Wars, and it covers how Kamala deals with being a superhero, Avenger, and a teenager, and it's really cute. Then I did what you wouldn't do, and I read my review copy of The Obel Escape by N.K. Jemisin. Oh my god. It's the follow-up to the fifth season, which is super brutal. The Obel Escape is equally brutal, but really builds out the worlds and the characters. Does anybody die? I'm not saying a word. I'm not spoiling this book for anybody. I'm not saying anything. That's not a commentary on whether somebody dies or not. That's just me going, I'm not giving any information. This book does not come out until August. August is just around the corner. Then I also finished up High School Debut by Kazune Kawahara. It's a super cute romance that I was reading before about a girl who gets a love coach for high school and then she falls for him and he falls for her and it's just like a bunch of chapters and volumes of adorableness. And then I actually just finished If I Was Your Girl by Meredith Russo. This is by a trans author about a trans girl and she goes to live with her dad because it's not safe where she she was and the author really deliberately 
made it a gateway book. It's an issue book that's a gateway book. She made it super accessible to like cisgender readers. There are not a bunch of hurdles to jump if you're not really familiar with trans experiences. And I think the story is super cute, even though like you can pretty much see how it's going to go. It's like a really nice glimpse into another experience that none of like that none of the cis readers who read the book will ever have to deal with. And I really liked it a lot. Is it a happy book? I think it's a happy book. And then next, I think I'm going to read Shrill by Lindy West. Several people in the Fringe group have read this and they really liked it. And I've never read anything about her. So it counts toward my challenge. Cool. So yeah, that's been my reading. I feel like that was a lot of reading. We both did our half year mark posts. So I read only 29 books so far this year. And you have read how many again? 60 something. That's amazing. You can't compare us because a lot well, of mine are manga and comics. Uh, no, 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 no. Yes, they yes, count. Yes, yes. I mean, they count, obviously, but they still don't take me. Like, you know, I read The Obelisk Gate in 18 hours. Wow. Everybody should just go pre-order The Obelisk Gate right now. Just go do it. And if you haven't read the fifth season, you should always... Ooh. Good Space Bees read the fifth season. <laughs> been up to some things. Anna, what has Booksmugglers Publishing been doing? Right, we published our first almanac. So the first one is out now and we have print copies and ebooks and it's up on all the usual retailers and you can even subscribe to it and get a year subscription via Waitlist Books. They are an online retailer and they are pretty good because they are they only have DRM free books actually and they have a ton of other really cool books that you can buy if especially if you're not based in the US or UK or Canada and you can buy, buy a lot of ebooks from really top quality independent publishers through them we also published Sky Ranger which is the second book in the Extra Human Union by Susan Jane Bigelow by the time this podcast comes out, we will have published uh, on the blog the new short story, How to Piss Off a Failed Super Soldier by Hugo Award winner, John Shu. And then he wrote A Piece for Inspirations and Influences, and he was inspired by musical theater to write this. I mean, come on, it's amazing. And meanwhile, at the Book Smugglers, I'm not writing at a lot of reviews because there is no time and I've been reading a lot of novellas. Basically, I read 300 novellas in the past few weeks. Oh my god, I can't. Uh, but there were so many good ones. So many good ones. And we already got a couple and I think people are going to be really pleased with those. But they are a secret for now. Maybe one listener will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you. <laughs> my god don't taunt <laughs> don't taunt our listeners anna oh my god <laughs> what about you what have you been up to well as you mentioned earlier i posted my mid-year list i'm actually pretty happy with my diversity stats because part of my challenge with the, to read 100 unique women was to focus on women of color 
then we also launched a new feature at Lady Business where at the end of each week we post an entry and then we all like comment on it with stuff we've been reading and watching and mostly we did it so we could have like a nice discussion space that wasn't Twitter because Twitter is like really really hard to have group conversations because if you're adding a bunch of different people you run out of characters really fast you you guys are doing a lot of really cool stuff at lady business well we're trying we're in those weird summer doldrums i think where we're all really busy with like work and stuff uh and being out and doing things we haven't been able to write as much but we'll get back to it Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee is the first installment of a trilogy called The Machineries of Empire. It's about a captain, Kel Cheris, who is disgraced in battle, then is assigned to capture a fortress from heretics. So, of course, we keep choosing books that are really hard to discuss without spoiling them. So we're going to do the best we can. If we decide we want to get into spoilers, we'll note it. Anna, what did you think about this book? It was simultaneously very, very, very hard to read and exceedingly well done. And I really liked it. And the best description or comparison that I could offer you is that it is ancillary mercy if ancillary mercy had more difficult physics and mathematics. It reminds me and is compared a lot to a book that my partner read by Hanu Rajanimi called The Quantum Thief. Ah. That's a novel that I compared to. I have not read that book. I've only heard about it from my partner because it's by dude. And I just don't read a lot of science fiction by dudes right now. So Cheris, the main character, is part of a society that basically controls people via brainwashing. I actually argued a little bit with Yoon Ha Lee about whether this was science fiction or science fantasy. He ah. thinks it's science fantasy because it's mostly based on like some tabletop fantasy card games, if I'm remembering correctly. I would disagree with that because I think that a lot of these concepts that he's playing with require you to like question the nature of reality in ways that require like lots of logic, which to me, logic is math. It's science fiction. But the way that... Okay, so let's go back. So you have, you have cherries that she's part of eight people and there are six of them mm-hmm. and together they fall the form the extra chat one of my problems with this book is that there are so many english words that i don't know how to pronounce i, I pronounced it hex arcade that's how i pronounced it i don't know if that's right but that's just what I... that that sounds right to me that's that's wrong I, with it i went with it at one point in time there used to be seven mm-hmm. so it was whatever it is that you say that it's seven heptachard Hepercate, I think. Maybe. (laughs) Oh my god. I don't know. This entire podcast is going to be like, how do you pronounce words? (laughs) Everybody's welcome. Anyway, so at one point in time, one of the the people that was part of the seven just fell out of the group because they were heretics. And then now this is happening again with another group of people rebelling and becoming heretics. And then Cherries is sent to destroy them. They have have taken over the fortress of scattered needles and they need to be destroyed 
Otherwise, they will the the heresy will spread and will destroy everything. The fact that that happens because of the way that you see the world or the、mm-hmm. way that you behave informs reality, and reality itself is changed. That's kind of like fantastical. Yeah, it is scientifical.、That's, yes, I get your argument, but it's also I also get yours. So you have to logic through it, and it's really、yeah. hard for me because all logic to me is math. The character herself, she's chosen because of she's so good at maths. Yeah, but obviously, this signs of math in this book are not possible. No, it's fine.、Exactly. I understand this. <laughs> Like, don't listen to me when I'm like, "This is hard science fiction." And if you don't like hard science fiction, because obviously it's really not possible, I think, to classify this book in a way that it's gonna like put it neatly in any category because、yeah. it's borrowing some hard science fiction concepts, some science fantasy concepts, some just straight fantasy concepts, and it's mixing them up. I would actually compare it to Cameron Hurley, her Beldame Apocrypha, that sort of mixed, you know, the science fiction, fantasy, and like did it to like really great effect. But I think that they're mixing these genre and subgenre classifications in really neat ways. So Cheris has to go take back this fortress, and before she does it, she's like tested against a bunch of other people over how she's going to do this. And her idea is to wake up. Shua Shuos Jadal, who was a general who turned on his people and killed everybody, like everybody, his people, ever other people, enemies. He just killed everybody. The point is that he was so brilliant, though, because he always won his battles. He was a super Until- great weapon. So when he died, or rather when he was killed, he was frozen. And now they deploy his ghost by attaching them to warriors, so that they can together go on missions. But every time that happens, there is a risk that he will take over that person's consciousness forever, and then kill everybody again. So you have, on the one hand, you have Cheris, who is also a brilliant、uh, mathematician and and soldier, and you have Jadal, who is a brilliant. Tactician and former general who is dead, but also alive at the same time. Cheris is the only one who can talk to him, except for like one other person who is a revenant, and I feel like that's going to come up again in later books. Oh yeah, and because that didn't that didn't really get explored in this book, and、yeah. so it complicates everything because all the people that Cheris and Jedi are ordering around, they can only interact with Cheris. They can't interact with Jedi. Directly, because Cheris is the only one that could talk to him. The thing for me that made me like it so much is that we are we see everything from Cheris' perspective, and she is within that reality, and she is indoctrinated, so she doesn't see much beyond that. So you are reading, and you have the sense that there is something that is really, really wrong, and it doesn't become clear what it is until late in the book when things become. Clearer and clearer when she talks to Jadal more and more, but at the same time we don't know if Jadal is lying because he's supposed to be like super sociopathic. Yeah, the point is though, who says that he's like that? The Kel, like the Kel,、right? and、exactly. the 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 Shuos who are in charge of the whole government. Exactly, and Cherries herself. She kind of like broke the rules a little bit at the beginning, just before the book, and she was disgraced. 
So you have to think about why would a disgraced soldier be given such an important mission? Right That's、there. the mystery of the book. If you don't want to be spoiled for Nonfox Gambit, you should skip ahead to the next segment. From what I understand, you see, it's exactly because they can bend reality and break rules that they were chosen. Because they wouldn't be able to defeat the enemy within the rules of the government itself, and this is why they attempt to kill them in the end. They succeeded it, and they want her gone because she can't be alive, being you know knowing everything that she knows, obviously, and also being able to form reality differently, not follow the rules. Because if you don't follow the rules, you are not Kel. Yeah, the Kel are pretty heavily brainwashed. And you see that in another segment where the book goes from perspectives of some of the Kel soldiers, and like one of them is like, "Yeah, that stuff never took to me, so she could just do what she wants." That's for me when it kind of started to, when I started getting those pieces, as well as the letters that we're getting from somebody inside the Fortress of Skeletal Needles who are part of the Heretics, and it took me way too long, probably. Just because I'm not used to these type of books, to figure out that the reason that they're heretics is that they want democracy. Democracy can't work in a in a society where your society's reality is formed by everybody believing the same things and doing the same ceremonies and putting all their energy into one understanding single, of the you, yeah, of, and and when one single act like the cow formation. Is suicidal, and they they just go and they do it because they have been doctrined to do that. And then it, I thought it interesting that the battles themselves were played on that level. For them to try to get inside the fortress, they had to create a ritual so that they can break their defenses by having everybody celebrating this one thing. So getting everybody to behave this one way in this one day, they were able to defeat part of the of and them. The, and the weapons here. It was crazy! Oh my goodness! <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on half the time. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like in the very beginning, we see this weapon. They called it the Threshold Winnower. I still don't really quite understand what that means, but the actual effects of this weapon is that they use it, and like they've been turned inside out. There's eyeballs on side of heads, and there's intestines twined with rib bones. It's Not pretty. All the weapons in the book are kind of like this. Like they attack like how reality is formed itself and fuck up any human standing in it. And then in the end, everybody becomes pieces of glass. They use some and, kind of yeah weapon that makes yeah. And then she eats pieces of chard, and they contain his soul and, and his memories. memories. I mean, this book was so cool and. <laughs> I mean, it really was super cool. There was a lot of stuff going on. Really cool ideas, and there are like amazing twists as well. I did not see the betrayal of the woman, the the spy inside the fortress coming. Yeah, no, that was super surprising. Also, I will put forward that there were robot pals in this book. The they're called servitors. They are pretty highly developed AI. But they go under the radar. They don't let the humans know how developed they are. They all really like Cheris a whole lot. <laughs> yes, because she's different, and she、right? yeah, she treats them like you know individuals. Exactly. She's super exactly. polite, and and they basically save her life in the end. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, robot pals. 
RoboPals. Like I was like I said on Twitter, like this book is getting like at least three stars for having RoboPals. <laughs> I'm real easy. Have give me a robot pal, and I'm giving you some stars, even if your book is trash. This book, however, was not trash. It was really, really good. It was it was fantastic. I I really loved the way that it ended. I did not realize when I started reading that it was going to be part of the, of a trilogy. I thought it was a standalone. No, you're welcome. But um, I really liked the way that it ended and the things that it promises. So a lot of the undertones in this book are about loyalty and who you have loyalty to. And I feel like that's going to keep coming up. Because now we don't have Cheris and we don't have Jadal. We have this other person that is a... Both of them. Yeah, like a collection of both of their memories. So I'm really curious about how the book is going to juggle that as the series moves forward. Especially because it also deals a lot with identity. Because, of course, then the Kel, they are basically formless people almost. They are not allowed to get their identity to develop beyond what they are told to do. And if they screw up, they get to go in for processing and get re-brainwashed. Exactly. So they never get to form their own identity unless they're really, really good at fitting in, which Cheris was until the very beginning of the book, when she decides to use heretical tactics to defeat the heretics that they're fighting. And then became expendable. An expendable weapon. That's what she was. Another thing is that a lot of the characters in this book that are in positions of power, either under Cheris or within the heretics, are women. Oh, yes. It was really nice to see. And it was oh, yes. just not commented on. And I was like, yay, this is what I want. There were not, like, not dudes. Like, there were dudes there. Well, Jadao is one of the major characters, mm-hmm. and for you example. Have, yeah. There's political leaders who are male, and there's side characters who are male. Like, this is not like a, a, an imperial rot situation where everybody is, like, going by she or whatever. But I really thought that was nice. No, they are just there. And it's, it's, it's part of it. See part how of the easy world. it is? It's just so easy. So we liked this book a whole lot. How many spaces were we going to give it? I would give it a five, and it's likely to be one of my top ten books of the year. Five space bees. Five space bees. I like how we agree. Without calendrical rot. Oh, no. Maybe with. No, with. Of course with calendrical rot. Everybody's like, what the hell is calendrical rot? And we're like, you got to read the book. Ghostbusters was a 1984 movie starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Sigourney Reaver, who is great. <sighs> I'm really glad Sigourney Reaver was in this movie because otherwise I don't think I would have been able to <laughs> finish watching it. Maybe we should start by going back. Had you watched it before? Yes, I've seen this movie before. I had to. Did you have like those memories of it being one of the most amazing films of your childhood or something? I had a lot of nostalgia for it, yes. And I remember that I liked Vinkman a whole lot. I thought he was like super funny. Like past me did. Because I think the last time I watched this movie specifically, it's probably been since I was like a really like a teenager, a young teenager. 
Yes, same with me. Exactly the same things. And nostalgia. The last time I watched it was when I was a young teenager. And then, of course, I had fond memories of Bill Murray in it. And then now I hate his guts. So oh my mo- God, what the fuck? This movie opens with Bill Murray's character, Peter Vingman, like lying to and like sexually targeting oh a my student. God. I managed to erase that already from my brain. Because, no, it uh, happened. It's because I hadn't seen it in that long that I was like, oh my god, you were like a researcher. What are you doing? Even if you're not a professor, what are you doing with this kid? This is not a good situation. And he is like trying to meet her later to get... Oh, so grossed out. So gross. He's a harasser. He does the same thing to the Sigourney Weaver character too. There is one moment... When I was screaming at my television, when he goes to her house to try to help her out, and he's just scooping her entire apartment, and then he's just literally walking inside her space, and then he keeps pushing her to go on a date, and he's really uncomfortable that. I don't know how you do things, Renee, like you personally, but me, if I am inside this house by myself, and a dude come in to do whatever type of work that they have to do, I am freaking out internally. I am already looking at all the windows, make sure they are open, that the door is unlocked, and that I have, I have a clear route of escape outside my own house. And this guy, he goes inside this woman's apartment, and he's on top of her, and he's like, let's do this, let's do that. And she's like, Haha, like laughing, really uncomfortable, but at the same time, it's played for jokes. Everything is played for jokes. Oh, it made me so angry. I'm they- right about Really I, want any, us. Anybody who goes like, oh, this movie, if the new Ghostbusters movie is going to destroy my childhood. Good. good. That's a good thing, friends. They really want us to sympathize with Finkman. Absolutely. But, but no, 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 no. I was the one cheering when he got slimed. Good job, Slimer. Good work. <laughs> because and, he's a slime he got- ball. He gets the girl in the end for some reason. I well, mean, Sigourney a... Weaver, you can do so much better. You really can. Uh, eventually she does. So mm. I find Vinkman and Stance like super, super bumbling and not convincing as scientists. However, but... Egon is great. <laughs> yes, Egon is great. Egon and what's the name of the secretary that I forgot? Oh my God, Janine. I'm so sorry. Yes, they are great. I seem to remember the story being deeper than it was, but the story... there is no depth there. No, really. it's not. It's <laughs> not. De- it's not developed, and that's maybe why it had staying power because you have to do a lot of the world building yourself to make this movie seem anything other than fluff. Because really, it, this movie's plot is it's lighter than a freaking marshmallow. So when Dana is unpacking her groceries in her apartment, she pulls out some eggs. And a bag of marshmallows. And on the front of the bag of marshmallows, it says, stay puffed. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, fine. I'll give you that. That's pretty nice <laughs> continuity. <laughs> and when that is, like, a piece of, that you want to praise, like, what the hell's happening in this movie? Like, when I'm having to, like, I don't look. know. And what the fuck is up with her character, too? She doesn't do anything, Renee. Like, she's completely wasted. She just... She's, she's, she's there to be to be ogled by Bill Murray. And then she's taken over by the demon. And then she walks around being sexy. And then she has she needs to be rescued. The Sigourney Weaver. Fucking aliens, bitches. No, you don't Welcome. do that to Sigourney Weaver. Welcome to the 80s. 
Aliens was in the 80s. Well, I know, but welcome to the type of roles that women could get in the 80s. That's it. You got to Fuck be... Fuck the noise! You Fuck got the noise! To be an if object. anybody who's like, oh, this movie is the best movie of all time, why do we need a new movie with three, four women or whatever? Oh, you idiots! Shut the the reason we need a reboot with four women is to correct the gross sexism and misogyny of the first one. Oh my god, we are gonna get egged in the face right now, aren't we? I don't no- care. This is the most, If this is the hill that some misogynistic assholes on the internet want to die on, you go right oh ahead. God, like, it's just so fucking ridiculous. This is this is the movie that they're defending, where we get to watch freaking Dan Aykroyd dream about a ghost giving him a blowjob. Uh, this is the cultural object that you're going to hold up as... I don't even have the words. I can't even <laughs> believe it. I don't like this movie. No, I don't like it either. I don't know and- what... Why I was thinking when I was a teenager. Well, I know what I was thinking. Nothing. <laughs> you were thinking, oh, cool, guys, with nuclear I I, I guess, I guess it was the coolness of the ghosts and the guys doing stuff. And I remember the liking the cartoon. My problem is that I came into this franchise via Ghostbusters 2. Uh, I'm pretty I sure I am a Ghostbusters 2. I'm pretty sure I saw Ghostbusters 2 first. And I also like it better. And I also think that it's a better film, even though it's still really sexist. As like a P, like an object, it's a better film. Okay. I guess we'll discuss that when uh, we watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll debate on whether uh, Ghostbusters 1984 or Ghostbusters whatever year Ghostbusters 2 came out. It's a better film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Be prepared. Anna. You have to have an opinion. You have to have an opinion on whether uh, I will. I will have opinions. I will have. I have a lot of opinions. But this I just movie, can't. I just can't believe how bad it was. It doesn't hold up at all. You know how no. sometimes you'll go back and you'll watch an older movie and you're like, oh yeah, that kind of holds up. Like we watched Bill and Ted, right? And I yeah. didn't like. I wasn't crazy about it, but it holds up. Yeah, or Labyrinth, or Back to the Future. Which are movies that came out at the same time, more or less, in the 80s. But this one just doesn't. And I was so angry because, like, it's way more obvious to me now how they mistreat. Oh, yeah. And what a funny character. And you gave him nothing to do. You wasted this. Like, they wasted Sigourney Weaver and they wasted Ernie Hudson. And then they build an author for Bill Murray. I mean, I am or used to be or am. Still, I don't know. A Bill Murray fan, but he and a lot of his roles are like that. I still think Scrooge is a better Christmas movie than the Muppets. <laughs> oh my god! But... <laughs> Was there anything else about this movie that we found redeeming? I liked the ghosts, mm. and I liked the fake science that they used mm. to capture the ghosts. No, no, you got nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing. I like the house. I like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. What's the name of the ghost? Slime? Slimer. How- Slimer. Slimer. So the name in Portuguese is Geleca. That's really funny. <laughs> I never knew that he was called Slimer. He's a character in the cartoon. Yes, and- Geleca! And I I know I had to see that cartoon before I watched the actual movie because I remember watching the actual movie and being really pissed off because Slimer is not a character. He's a bad guy. And I'm like... What the hell? Slimer is a character and he's an ally. What the hell is this garbage movie doing? 
I remember being really upset about this. <laughs> He's their pal. He's their Slimer pal. Oh, I was mad. Okay, so how many space bees are we giving this? Minus one. We cannot give it minus one. Zero. I'm giving it one space bee. You are too kind. Is it because of Sigourney Weaver? It's for Sigourney Weaver and the fact that I liked all the ghost scenes. I'll give it half. You're giving it half a space bee? You're going to kill a space bee. But... Oh, Renee, why did you have to say that? And I like, it kind of like really broke my heart. <laughs> Zero. Wow. I shall not compromise. I think we've had our, this is our <laughs> first like major disagreement. Terrible <laughs> movie. It's a terrible movie. Zero space bees. You heard it here. The space bees are exiting the building for this movie. Yes. <laughs> our read-through of the Young Avengers with Young Avengers Presents Volume 1. Anna, did you like this volume? No. Okay, so basically this is a collection of individual stories. It's not connected. Each issue is not connected. Like, you have Patriot, Hulkling, Wiccan, Vision, Stature, and Hawkeye. It's exploring where they are post-Civil War, which makes me think that's why I didn't like this very much, because reading this without the Civil War context was super confusing and off-putting. Yes. Thank you. That's it. End of segment. (laughs) I really don't feel like I have a lot to add or a lot to discuss here. I was very underwhelmed. Remember how charmed we were by the first volume that we read of Young Avengers and how we really liked it? And we really liked the characters. And then we read Hawkeye. And we also loved that. And where where, where were those characters? I mean, they're here. But maybe it's the stories that they were put in that just really didn't connect. They, they felt very disjointed. It felt very much like, mm, how can we make some easy bucks out yeah. of people? Let's just, like, write these issues, like, really random. So Patriot is going to have an issue that it's all about him being grandchild of the original Captain America and how does that feel? Let's have Hulkling looking for his dad and that issues and then has Wiccan looking for his mom mom issues and let's Vision be really creepy So I think that's probably what was the downfall for this. It's that none of the stories connect like the characters like feature in them but they don't really refer back to each other's stories I liked Eli's story. Yeah. I found it. I found it all right. I found Teddy's pretty good. I loved Kate's, but I've also read Kate's somewhere before. Yes, it was part of the Hawkeye volume that we read. Oh, okay. That's where I've read it. I didn't know which volume that I had read it in before, but I've read it before and I really liked it. Because I read it too, and that was the only Hawkeye that I had read before. And I really liked it. Billy and Tommy's stories were combined, but it felt more like Billy's story and not Tommy's. And then... Vision story was super creepy. Oh my god! And Cassie's what? was... I don't, I don't even understand what was happening there. Cassie's was okay, but still... You don't have to have a war context. You don't really get what's happening in some of these. Like, you need the Civil War context. And this is another reason that I hate events. This is why I hate events. This is why I don't like events. Because I don't think that if you read the events, you're going to get much out of stories that 
come after the event that rely on you having knowledge of that event. But there's a problem with continuity as well because you have the the vision issue. The vision issue he meets with Cassie. And Cassie's part of a group. It's right after the aftermath of Civil War. And then right after that issue, you have her own stature, correct? Mm-hmm. And she's back with the Avengers. Or and you is have she no and no or, continuity there? Or is she? Because like I seem to remember them wanting to call for help, but not being able to because they were afraid of getting caught around her because she's a part of that group. That's a that's another problem that I had. It's not clear when any of these are taking place except after Civil War, which if you don't have context for Civil War, you have no way to place it anywhere. And that's really frustrating. I mean, I think the one thing that connects all of these stories is this question of legacy, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that they are inheriting the powers that they have or the name that they have, for example, Hawkeye or or, or Vision being something, a, a, a person or trying to be a person. And of course, most of these kids, they are related somehow to Avengers, in the case of Patriots, in the case of Hawking and Wiccan and Stature, because they are the children of, of other Avengers, of previous Avengers. So I think that's maybe the one connecting issue that connects all of those, because you have all of these young kids dealing with those things. But it's not like we didn't get that before, because those things were present in the first volume that we read. Yeah, I think what I would have preferred is them to do a whole volume, like a whole collection of issues on each of these topics for each of the characters. Doing one little one-off issue doesn't really help or develop the characters any more than they were in their previous volumes. It really makes me sad because I wanted more depth more mm. about the characters more about like how they interacted with each other and i uh, didn't really get that and the vision was creepy yeah and what happened to wanda and well billy and teddy were super cute though yeah that, that's true they were we we love kate yes of course and, but we already knew that and billy well. and teddy are super cute which we already knew as well that's it i just feels like it didn't add anything it's completely passable. You don't. You do not have to acquire this at all. No, you really don't. So you're welcome. Yes, we have dis- we discovered if you want to read Young Avengers, you can just totally skip Young Avengers presents. And if you can read it for free, feel free to do that, but don't pay for it. Don't pay for it. We've taken this. We've taken this bullet for you. Yes. I wish it was a time bullet so we can go like in time. So I'm gonna give. I'm just basically gonna give this like two space bees for it was okay. Yeah, okay, I'm fine with that. It was all right. We will continue to read more. Yes. Because I want to go back to those characters that I loved with a proper storyline. Coming soon, more Young Avengers. Let's cheer each other up with some recommendations. Anna, what have you got? 
I have read one of the books that I was looking forward to this year, Heroin Complex by Sarah Kun. Yes. And it is as good as, as I was hoping it was going to be. It's adorable. It's fantastic. It's about friendship. It's about found families. There are demon cupcakes and tons of really hot sex. It was like sizzling hot. Five space bees. Wow, I'm so jealous right now that you have got to read those that's still i'm waiting on my library to order it oh I'm my so... god it was so good it was so funny and it starts in a way that you think huh i have read this before but of course she just does things really it takes them it takes family familiarity and gives it a gentle twist and of course what it's so important is that the main characters uh the two main characters the two best friends are asian women and so is the author. And there is like a thread in the novel about how they grew up watching this fabulous superhero movie called The Heroic Trio. They, and they keep te- saying that they are the heroic trio, only there is only two of them. And it's just so good because it starts with one of the one of the friends being a super diva, and you think, oh, I know where this story is gonna go. They're just gonna she's gonna find out that she doesn't need her friend anymore, and she's gonna find new friends. But it's not like that at all. She, they actually work together to make things better, and it's fantastic. It's funny. And did I mention that it has super hot sex? You, you did, and you're making me really jealous because I really listen. I, I don't have I don't have any money to buy this book. I'm so sad. My library will come through. Yes. Get this book for me and I'll be able to read it. Fingers super, super crossed. I'll keep my fingers and my toes crossed for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And what's your recommendation? My rec is a Steve Tony story called Theory of Mind by 70 Miles to Babylon. I have read this story so many times I have lost count. (laughs) It's so good. It is super smart. Steve and Tony in this story are smart. It's about Tony and how he buys Steve things that he won't accept and what that means for their relationship. And it's kind of, it's like definitely one of those like five plus one stories. Oh, um, um, what's what's a it's a what story? Five times character X did Y and then one time the other character did something or whatever. It's like a trope. That happens in fandom, which I realize you're not going to be familiar with now. No. People who are in fandom will know exactly what I mean. But it's a really, really long story. It's not short at all. And it really delves into the issues that trying to have a relationship with somebody with money, trying to explain how you feel to somebody when you're just not getting through to them, and how two people with like super different communication styles eventually come to understand one another. It's really, really good. This is a really, really good story. It's super hot, too. Even though there's, like, not actually any sex in it, there's mostly just kissing. But holy crap, it's really good. It's really good. I'll never get you to read any fic. (laughs) You're too busy. I'll have to wait until you're, like, 85 and retired. Listen, you just bought Queen of Atolia. Look, this is like a breach. If you read it, they will come. No, hold on, that's something else. If you read it, I will read the fanfic. The Star Trek one. No, it's I have like... to read the whole series. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I have to read the whole series because the story I want you to read is like 108,000 words. That's fine. Yeah, you have to. But, you know, you made a start. No, I haven't. I'm I'm getting there. Like, well, you bought the book. It's going to happen. I'm finishing. This time I'm going to finish it. I'm not, like, not going to let lies derail me. 
Thank you. So anyway, the story is called Theory of Mind by 70 Miles to Babylon. It's really great. I highly recommend it. Super smart, sexy, sweet, delightful story. So definitely check it out if you're into Steve Tony Fick. We made it to the end of another episode, even though it wasn't extremely happy. No, it was like fangirl more or less happy hour. <laughs> fangirl slightly grumpy, but happy hour. Special thanks this time around to Rob Power at Solaris for providing a review copy so we could have emotions about Nonflex Gambit. Thank you. Extra special thanks with glitter to Anna for being the greatest co-host. Special thanks to Renee for being the best producer ever and for putting up with me. But I love putting up with you. You're great. No, you're great. No, you're great. We are both great. Yes, but Anna's the greatest. 10,000 space bees to both of us. Infinity space bees to Anna. I win. You win. Our music this week is by Boxcat Games with instrumentals by Chuki Music. The show's art was created by the very talented Era, and you can commission them at their Tumblr, justera.tumblr.com, or ping them on Twitter at It's Just Era. And because we are super rad, you definitely want to drop by iTunes and leave us a review, letting people know how many awesome pieces of media we've introduced you to. Feel free to include your favorite Anna moment. And by favorite Anna moment, I mean the spider battle from episode 27, because nothing's ever going to top that. And if you want more of us between episodes, you can by catching us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Renee. And me at Booksmugglers. And as always, Space Bees, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.